The long-awaited Russia report has been released. Donald Trump says he's been vindicated and exonerated as Democrats are now pumping up the volume on impeachment. Should the president be worried? Plus, a new Democratic frontrunner just jumped into the 2020 presidential race and he's already facing tough questions. This is the State of America. We're following multiple breaking stories, including Hillary Clinton's new warning to Democrats that rushing to impeach President Trump would be a mistake. You don't impeach people when they're doing a good job. I do believe that impeachment is one of the most divisive paths that we could go down to in our country. Nancy Pelosi's not in charge of the Democratic Party. The radical left is in charge. If any other human being in this country had done what's documented in the Mueller report, they would be arrested and put in jail. If I'm guilty of anything, it's that I've been a great president. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America. The Mueller report is now history. The special counsel says the investigation did not establish that President Trump or his campaign conspired, coordinated, or that word colluded with the Russian government in their extensive efforts to interfere in the 2016 U.S. election. So case closed there, I guess. On the issue of obstruction, though, not so much. But don't tell that to Donald Trump. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. And it was a complete and total exoneration. Bob Mueller did not say that. Actually, he explicitly said the opposite. The exact wording was this. If we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state based on the facts and applicable legal standards. However, we are unable to reach that judgment. And he goes on to say, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him leaving a Washington-sized hole in this report for Congress to jump in and take it up, and in doing so, putting one word back on everyone's lips. Impeachment. 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 And not to butcher Hamlet too much. To impeach or not to impeach really has become the question that is both uniting and dividing officials in Washington and far beyond. There are some folks on the left, particularly younger members who and some more veteran members like Maxine Waters, who have pushed for impeachment proceedings to begin. But Democratic leaders who are also alarmed about what they saw from the Mueller report and the president's activities don't think that impeachment is necessarily the way to go right now. That divide carries over into the 2020 presidential candidates as well. Listen. I believe Congress should take the steps towards impeachment. Accountability has to come from the Congress. And the tool that we are given for that accountability is the impeachment process. If for the next year, year and a half, going right into the heart of the election, all that the Congress is talking about is impeaching Trump and Trump, Trump, Trump and Mullah, 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 what I worry about is that works to Trump's advantage. And in the rarest of rarest occasions, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, who's become a big defender of the president, actually agrees with the the Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders on this one. So here's what I think. They're going to be stampeded to impeach Trump because they hate him so much. 
And I hate it for the country. I hate it for the president. But it's going to result in him getting reelected. But before we get there, let's step back a second. I don't want it to be lost just how historic this conversation is that's happening right now in America. This isn't the age-old debate over whether we should raise or lower taxes. That seems novel. There is a real conversation going on right now about whether or not the Congress should move to force the president of the United States out of office. Only two presidents have ever been impeached in this nation's 240-year history, 43 year, 243 year history, Andrew Johnson in 1868, Bill Clinton in 1998. Side note, Richard Nixon, he resigned the office to avoid impeachment proceedings. Neither Johnson nor Clinton was actually removed from office. And here is why. The Constitution states that the House of Representatives has the sole power of impeachment. The Senate then has the sole power to try all impeachments. And that final step requires a two thirds majority. Offenses that are grounds for impeachment, treason, bribery, and the famous phrase you've probably heard over and over again, other high crimes and misdemeanors. That is a long way of saying this, that Congress has a constitutional right to go down this road. But it is a high bar, and it threatens to tear the country apart in the process, and could also backfire politically if the party that's pushing it would be Democrats here, if they aren't successful. Take it from the man who lived through Clinton's impeachment process as his press secretary, Joe Lockhart. It really is right now a false choice between impeachment or not impeach, uh, you know, to impeach or not impeach. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of investigative steps you can take before going to impeachment. And that's, I think, where they'll end up, where they'll keep going with the Judiciary Committee with oversight with Adam Schiff and the Intelligence Committee and make a decision somewhere down the road. Hence why House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is pushing for caution. I do believe that impeachment is one of the most divisive forces, uh, paths that we could go down to in our country. But if the facts, the path of fact finding takes us there, we have no choice. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. In a startling move, though, someone who used to work for President Trump says we actually are there now. J.W. Verrett, he was a member of the president's transition team, and he wrote this in The Atlantic. This elaborate pattern of obstruction may have successfully impeded the Mueller investigation from uncovering a conspiracy to commit more serious crimes. And then here is what he told CNN. And he outlined potentially 12 colorable claims of obstruction of justice. That was all he needed to do to get an impeachment process started because the impeachment process is sort of like a grand jury process. Mm -hmm. And there's more than enough here to get that started. So let's check in once again with the president on that one. Are you worried about impeachment, Mr. President? He might say that he's not worried about it even a little bit, but he is thinking about it. Just look at Twitter. The president tweeting this. If the partisan Democrats ever tried to impeach, I would first head to the Supreme Court. There's one problem there. That doesn't seem possible. I think he'll be thrown directly out of the Supreme Court if he tries to do that because they consider impeachment to be a political question. And the Constitution leaves it exclusively with the House of Representatives. So the question remains, impeach or not? And should that be left to politicians to decide or should be left to the voters in 2020? So coming up, my panel is going to weigh in on this big issue of impeachment, what it could mean politically, what it means for the country right now, and also on why the president says his former White House counsel, he essentially is saying that he's lying. That's next.
the redacted version of the Mueller report out, the president has said more than once it is time to move on. There seem to be as many views on what strategy to take as there are Democratic candidates in the 2020 race. Okay, the panel with me tonight, Sabrina Siddiqui. She's a CNN political analyst, White House correspondent for The Guardian. Steve Rogers is here. He's a member of President Trump's re, uh, 2020 reelect campaign advisory board. Basil Smichel, Democratic strategist and former director of the New York State Democratic Party. And Doug Heyes, a CNN political commentator and former communications director for the Republican National Committee. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Sabrina, where is the where is the talk about impeachment going? Do you think it is ramping up? Do you think it is falling off? Well, I think that the Mueller report does pose a challenge for Democratic leaders in the House, where at first they were dealing with hypotheticals. You now have the special counsel laying out numerous instances in which the president, at a minimum, sought to obstruct justice, according to testimony from former staffers within his administration. Mm -hmm. uh, and there has been a growing chorus of Democrats who are calling for impeachment hearings. Now, the political calculation, of course, for Nancy Pelosi is that even if House Democrats were to impeach President Trump, a Republican-led Senate would never convict. So they could incur a great deal of political backlash for what is essentially symbolic. At the same time, there is, of course, an expectation that they exercise their oversight role in Congress and not normalize the behavior that was laid out in the report. That's a great point. And that is, look, it's a political process. What, it, what impeachment is, as serious and important as it is, it is a political decision. Where are you on this, Basil? I mean, where... Do you think they should be per, per, go, walking towards impeachment or is it worth it, maybe is a better question, if it is guaranteed that a Republican-led Senate is not going to find two-thirds majority to actually vote him out? Yeah, I, I do have mixed feelings about this because I believe that Jared Nadler and other uh, Democrats who are trying to get as much information as they can, not just from the Mueller report itself, but from these hearings, is trying to lay the groundwork for a potential impeachment, uh, impeachment mm -hmm. uh, trial. But at the, at the worst, what it does is it outlines the bullet points for a narrative that our candidates can use against Trump in 2020. Let me also be clear, the calls uh, for impeachment among Democrats is not the same as the calls for lock her up uh, on the Republican side. We're not there yet. It is not the dog whistle that the Republicans have used against us. And I think, I'm thankful that Nancy Pelosi has essentially put the brakes on all of this. But I do think the I do think for Democrats going forward, going down this path of impeachment is a bit dangerous to me because it takes away from talking about policy. Mm. There are 20. What do we have? 20, 22 We're Democrats 20. now. Yep. Yep. Um, running for president. How many of them are members of the Senate and the House that actually have a formal role in this process? You saddle Six. them. Six. Why are you quizzing me right now? A, but, but they have a now formal role in this process. I don't want them having to talk about that wherever they go on this campaign. Mm. I want them to be able to continue to talk about policy. The president keeps saying, Doug, that it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. He's also, though, tweeting about it a lot, and now he's even talking about it uh, in front of crowds and saying that it was an attempted coup, a coup that obviously did not happen in his view. Do you get the sense that no one wants to let this go, despite what Basil says, <laughs> that maybe he doesn't want to let it go, or even Democrats don't want to let this go? Yeah, in a certain sense, this could be good for everyone, certainly for Donald Trump's base. Nothing it really, is good for anyone it, it in rallies, this world. It's good for, for some Democrats. It's certainly good for Trump and his base to talk about this. But as we saw today, Trump sometimes is his own worst enemy. We had great economic numbers that came out today. Donald Trump should have been in front of cameras talking about the economic numbers and nothing else. Instead, he's talking about and defending Robert E. Lee, which is not what Republicans 
generally well, want him talking about. That. This is the same thing that happens the first Friday of every month when we have good economic numbers. Instead of talking about those and talking about driving a Trump economy, the president makes sure that we talk about something else, which takes, takes away from what he should be talking about, but what also uh, House and Senate Republicans can, want, and should be talking about. Well, and, and to the point of what House and Senate, what, what, well, let's say what House Democrats are doing, I am always stuck with if, if the president was vindicated and they do have a job of oversight, why doesn't he just look, look for whatever you want to look for? You're not going to find anything. Like, project confidence that he apparently says he has over this. Instead, he, he's trying to block at every turn any piece of information that the House Democrats are searching for. Do you think that's the right way to go, Steve? Well, Kate, he has cooperated up till now, okay? And he's made it clear enough is enough. And I happen to very rarely, you see me agree with my colleagues on this panel, but I agree with them that impeachment is not the way to go. It's going to be divisive. Uh, I believe this gentleman made it very, very clear that the country wants to hear about policy. They want to hear about their quality of life and about the future. So I would say that uh, it, it's not a good road to go down. You would say the less, would you say going towards, well, since everything's going to be about the election very soon, moving forward, the less the president talks about the Mueller report, the better? Uh, well, only unless there has to be a clear, um, uh, a, a clear making sure that the truth comes out and that what, what do you comes mean? Out? The truth is well, out. Well, well, he says the truth is well, out. Well, there's a lot of false narratives out there. He has, there is no obstruction. I, I, look, I worked in law enforcement for 38 years, and I know, at least in my heart, why Mueller did what he did. There was not enough evidence to bring to a grand jury. It's over and done with. It's time to move He's, on. What, what he did was leave it for Congress. What the, the yes. attorney general decided yes. as a prosecutor is that he would not prosecute on it. But as the, as what Mueller laid out is that he did not have the role to prosecute because of Justice Department rules that you cannot indict a president. That gets to it. But what I'm hearing, I'm hearing you say two things, though. Move on, talk about policy, but you still want to talk about it. Well, what I want to talk about, only if we see on the air, and we've seen it constantly, false narratives from a lot of news media outlets, a lot of false narratives. And he has a right to defend himself by getting out there with facts. Okay, and so that's what he's doing. facts are an important thing. Why then, there's this White House counsel, his name is Don McGahn, he said in the report that he said to Mueller, under penalty of law, that he... Donald Trump told him to fire the special counsel. He did not do that. He said basically saving the president from explicit obstruction. Who's lying? Who do you believe? Why would Don McGahn lie? I say to the world, Sabrina, why would Don McGahn lie about this? Because well, Donald Trump says he never directed him to do that. Don McGahn t very clearly told him. And Don McGahn had a very productive working relationship with the president. And he stayed through even after he willingly cooperated with the special counsel. Um, I, I don't see why he would have any reason not to tell the truth. And frankly, we have seen that the special counsel had no reticence to actually throw people in jail for committing perjury. Just ask, right. you know, people who did receive... Uh, sentences for lying uh, in their testimony, whether it was before Congress or whether it was before the special counsel. I also think it's worth pointing out that McGahn took contemporaneous notes and the right. president asked him why he was taking notes oh, yes. and said he never had a lawyer. Good attorneys notes. don't take notes. And McGahn <laughs> said, they do. I'm a real I'm lawyer. I'm just going to say, so I want my He's a real lawyer, notes. though. That's what he said. That's a, yeah, he is a real lawyer. <laughs> Literally was in direct quotes. I will leave you with this on this issue. Here are, if you have these two options, Donald Trump telling you in the, telling you through the media that Don McGahn lied, Don McGahn telling under penalty of law to the special counsel investigating that he did not lie. Who are you going to believe with this two set of facts? Okay, coming up.
It was long speculated, debated, and discussed, and it finally happened. Former Vice President Joe Biden officially joining the 2020 presidential race. He's run, he has run twice before. Will it be different this time for good old Joe? How he's completely shaken up the race, though. Next. that uh, I just feel like a young man. I'm so young. I can't believe it. I'm the youngest person. I am a young, vibrant man. I look at Joe. I don't know about him. I don't know. If he looks young and vibrant compared to me, I should probably go home. That is how the 2020 race is kicking off. We are so clearly in for another wild ride. Young and vibrant says two 70-year-old men. Nothing against 70-year-old men. I'm just saying, if that's what they're running on right now. Anyway, moving on. Joe Biden made it official this week that he is running for president. He is now number 20, the 20th candidate running for the Democratic nomination. But he is very clearly setting his sights right out of the gate on one person, one person only, President Trump. How has Biden shaken up this race so far? Let's get to it. All right, Doug. Biden versus Trump. What is it going to look like if this is how it starts out? Well, I think we've 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 seen it's going to be a battle of the septuagenarians, but there's there's you an interesting just told dynamic. Me to drop that word since you never use it. No <laughs> they, one uses that in normal conversation. Continue. This is not normal conversation. Welcome <laughs> to American politics. But there's an interesting dynamic going on, and we've in the Trump campaign and Trump world, and we heard a lot about this today. Donald Trump has been saying for months, "How do we beat Joe?" He knows that. Biden is a very serious threat to him because he can win Pennsylvania, he can win Wisconsin, he can win Michigan. A lot of folks in Trump world are saying not only can he not win the primary, but the damage that could be done to you is by a candidate who's a change agent. So they fear more of a Kamala Harris or somebody like that, even Mayor Pete, than they do Biden. And they think that Biden can't win it. I think Biden has a lot of trouble to get the nomination. But Trump is ultimately right. Biden's his biggest threat. Where this conversation went um, very quickly is a fascinating one. Joe Biden kicks off with his video that he kicked off. The first word out of his mouth was Charlottesville, Basil. And mm-hmm. we're talking, we've talked about Charlottesville and the violence of Charlottesville a lot in the show, but we're talking about violent protests breaking out in that town back in 2017. White supremacists had held a rally. They were chanting things like, Jews will not replace us. And then one person died in the clashes that followed. The president, after the fact, he said these words. There were fine people on both sides. He is now doubling down on that and saying it again, saying and defending his remarks. Um, I'm going to keep my opinion on those remarks out of it. But Biden now has based the launch of his campaign on this very thing. Mm -hmm. Is Trump taking the bait? Because Trump is now coming out saying that he's defending it, saying Robert E. Lee was a great general. He is, but I also think there's a deeper message in here, similar to going to something you said earlier. What, what Joe Biden is trying to get across the American people is this is not normal. This isn't normal behavior for a president. The Basil, kind of dialogue that we're in right now is not normal. I've times I heard people say that during 2016, I've said that, though. I said that constantly when, uh, when, when people were starting to join his administration. I was like, how are you going to normalize that? How are you going to normalize so that? So what's different? That upset now? me. What's different is that it's coming from a 70-something-year-old white man 
who is not necessarily the Cory Booker or the Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. It's someone from Trump's generation saying this is not normal. And it's trying to harken back to the days of Barack Obama. I don't think we're getting we're going to ever be back in that place. Mm -hmm. But it's important for Joe Biden to try to bring together as much of the Obama coalition as he can. Um, uh, he wants to also get working class white men, which have left the Democratic Party 10 years ago. But he's trying to pull as much of that together as he possibly can. And a, a core sort of theme of that coalition was we are post-racial. Now, we're not, yeah. but he's going to try and sort of bring all of that back to, to, to people's minds. Do you think Trump should be nervous about Joe Biden? Not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, Kate, I, I believe that Joe Biden, look, he's a gentleman. He certainly is a, a likable fellow. But Joe Biden is his own worst enemy. Uh, he's kind of outdated. He's made some mistakes. I believe bringing up Anita Hill was a huge mistake. There was no need to do that. And you speak to millennials today, they don't even know who Anita Hill is. And people are very concerned. Well, they should, and we can remind them well, of that very well, easily. Well, but is it an issue that people are going to be sitting at the dinner table about? Absolutely not. They're concerned about the economy, their quality of life, taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So I think Joe is not going to be a threat at all as we move forward. In fact, uh, he's already involved, I think, in a civil war with the Democrats. You have AOC and her group who certainly have made it very clear that they're not going to be in favor of Joe Biden. If Joe Biden wins the primary, and I don't think he will, I believe Donald Trump will handily defeat him. What are Joe Biden's strengths and weaknesses right now? Do you see Sabrina? Well, I think that his strength is that he has shown an ability to actually connect with voters. He's known to be very empathetic. His life has been bookended by uh, profound grief, and that has given him an ability to really forge a more personal rapport with the average voter standing in front of him. Of course, his own working class roots do lend to his appeal among working class voters. I do think some of the weaknesses stem from the fact that there, there is a question in an increasingly diverse Democratic base as to whether or not Joe Biden is the best messenger for them in this moment. And he's got a track record that spans decades and decades. And, and right? therefore, he also has, in the same way his uh, experience is an asset, it's also a liability <laughs> yeah. because there's a lot of political baggage. The Anita Hill, uh, his handling of that here, those hearings is one of the issues that has come up. And now his domestic and foreign policy record under a great deal of scrutiny, his vote for the Iraq war, his record on banking. All of these issues are going to come back to the fore at a time when the Democratic Party has certainly moved to the left. And that's why I think Joe Biden went right out the gate and made a case for the general election, almost mm -hmm. as if we've already pass the primary that uh, announcement he put out very much looked like it was a closing argument in november yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't a this is who i am this it's you know who i am and this is who we're taking on um you mentioned the economy and that yeah. that trump should be talking about the economy all the time the economy the numbers that came out the numbers that have just come out about the gdp the broadest gauge of the health of the economy that we have were amazing. Mm -hmm. A huge number. Yeah. Great for President Trump. He should be touting it. He is touting it, and he should. Does that also mean on the flip side, Doug, that if you're advising Democrats that they shouldn't be running on the economy? No, I think they can they can look at areas where the economy isn't doing well, highlight those areas that and this is, speaks to the, what the Democrats message is anyways on going into minority neighborhoods or, or women who are not earning the same as men for the same job. And so yeah, they don't feel it. These are these are and it's ultimately about what you feel. Yeah. Right. And these are good issues for the Democrats. But ultimately, what we saw with Trump today, um, when instead of fully emphasizing the economy and walking away, he was talking about Robert E. Lee and other really non-germane things, is Trump is signaling this is not going to be a persuasion election. He's not going to try and win any converts. This is a base 
turnout election, so he wants to motivate them. So it's these other issues that we'll see. I think if you want to win over a white working class, you talk about jobs. But clearly the president thinks that you, you go back to, to these so areas. What you're telling me is that Donald Trump is not changing from June of 2015. Got it. Right. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now I can think we've got that decided. Um, but we do know one thing. It is going to be a very long race. And we are all thankful for that because we love it. Because we, <laughs> we do. We, we do. We do. Keep telling yourself that. Great to see you guys. That is the State of America. This week, be sure to listen to the podcast. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We will see you back here next week. Yes, you must love it. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.